Welcome, welcome, welcome into Caleb and Kenny in the morning here on a Thursday. Caleb Hatch and Justin Kinney with you. Coming up on the show today, a recap of IU and Nebraska, a tale of two halves and a similar result. We'll get to that after headlines. Plus, Larry Bird. Yeah, he went to IU for a bit, eventually started Indiana State. But neither of those teams were at the top of his wish list. We'll get to that audio. Pretty shocking stuff. And IU football will play at Northwestern, but where? Because Ryan Field uh, being demolished and rebuilt. So the Hoosiers will play at an interesting place. Uh, We'll get to that later this hour. Also coming up in hour number two, Mike Woodson has completed the in-season trifecta. A new low for Indiana. We'll explain what that trifecta is after the top of the 8 o'clock hour. Plus, uh, while Purdue has struggled the last couple of games, they still passed the metrics test for March. We'll take a look at some of the numbers behind that. And Tyrese Halliburton speaks on the NBA All-Star game and changes needed as the Pacers return to play coming up tonight. Plus, before we leave you after 8.50, a Florida man has uh, something pulled from his nose. This is disgusting. Pulled from his nose? Yes. Hmm. Absolutely disturbing. So, of course, we're going to talk about it. All right, cool. Well, anytime (laughs) we start a sentence with Florida man, you know it's going to be good. Yeah, that's right. That's right. That's an automatic... Let's talk about this story, yeah. and we will after 8.50 to wrap it up. So that's all to come today on the show. 46862 is how you reach us on the text line. Again, 46862. Just put in CK before your message. Sure, IU fans, you'll have plenty to talk about. Or maybe you won't because you're just completely checked <laughs> out, and I don't blame you or maybe, at this point. Maybe IU haters, too. We'll hear yeah. from them. The text line is open. I, I do think we have to thank you this morning for your service. Uh, as you posted last night, yes, that you are watching Big Ten basketball, so the rest of us don't have to. That's correct. Uh, we appreciate. I am sacrificing for you. <laughs> uh, I will say though, I did catch catching the end of Illinois Penn State. That was fun. Uh, I caught like the final, I don't know, minute or so. Yeah. Uh, before that the the IU game was, they flipped over to that, and it was a very entertaining finish. Coleman Hawkins. Um, wow. Good job, buddy. <laughs> <laughs> Good on you. But yeah, we 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 thank you for your service. Yes. So and um, you are keeping me updated. Well, because I was late getting home last night. the The first time that I saw the score for Indiana was at halftime, yeah. <laughs> and then I texted you because you were texting me how bad it was. I was like, oh yeah, you know, I'm probably down six at no, home. Blah, blah, no, no, <laughs> down twenty. Gave up fifty one points in the first twenty minutes. Oh, new low. Plenty to talk about today. Just to, just when you think you can't squeeze any more out of talking IU basketball, they find something to give you more talking points. Oh, yeah. It's, you know, it is the the content gift for us on this show. But let's uh let's dive into headlines first before we get into the train wreck that is IU basketball and we start with some positive news. Bears great Steve McMichael set to return home from the hospital. Very nice to see. I mean, a guy that's that's battling Lou Gehrig's disease, ALS, and trying to. He, the goal was to to kind of stay alive until he was nom- voted into the NFL Hall of Fame, and now trying to make it to the ceremony. So uh, great to see with him going home. When, when I heard that he was going to the hospital, you kind of immediately think the worst with his condition. But uh, a fighter through and through, and uh, and heading home. And great to see for Steve McMichael. Absolutely. Meanwhile, elsewhere in NFL news, Amazon reportedly paying $150 million for their 
NFL playoff game. Now that comes after Peacock paid what 110 million. Hmm. Uh, and Amazon has a more established base. They do in terms of uh, subscribers for Amazon Prime Video, and of course also having NFL games on the regular every Thursday night. Well, it worked out for Peacock last year in terms of what their goals were. And I'm sure uh, behind the scenes in terms of maybe new uh, subscribers that have kept it for a month since is uh, makes it worth it. So Amazon next up to the plate, paying a hefty chunk of change for that playoff game. Meanwhile, we shift to college football and... Just when they approve the format for the 12-team playoff, they're already discussing 14 or even 16 teams. Uh, That was part of the discussions yesterday with management committee meetings. Uh, 14 would begin in 2026 if it does go through. Obviously, I think the end game is at least 16 because that would mean every team would play. There'd be no first-round bye, right? Right. They're not going to pass that up. And who knows if we go more, but... Here's, I, I here's just my don't thing. think you can go any more games than 16. Uh, I would you can't agree. You have these guys playing you're gonna more have to, games in the NFL. You're going to have to cut regular season games. It's not going to happen. No. I mean, to me, the perfect model is what the FCS does with the 2014 playoff, but they have less regular season Correct. games. I think 16 is, 16 is fine. But then you don't have buys. Then you have the one playing the 16, and you're kind of like, you know. Is that really good? I mean, if you did that last year. Michigan would play Notre Dame first round. Okay, that could, that would be interesting. Uh, Washington would have played Louisville. Okay. Texas against Arizona. Eh. Alabama and LSU. All right, these are better matchups than I would have guessed. <laughs> I would have I'm thought, interested in all of those matchups. Yeah, so you, you immediately think, oh, 16 teams, you don't need that. No buys, nobody's going to watch 116, then... At least in last year's final rankings, those are four pretty decent games. So they got lucky is what you're telling me. For for one year, they got lucky for sure. Um, You know, anything to protect the power four. Because they're not going to expand this to say, well, we need to expand it so more group of five teams get in. No, 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 no. That's not what's going on. It's the more bids you can have in those power four leagues, the better. And that's kind of what direction we're going. But at least for for, for, for this coming year, and probably next year at the, at, at the very least is going to be a 12-team playoff. In college basketball, uh, already reports, and we'll see how this plays out, um, but there, there's already rumor. The rumor mill is flying when it comes to uh, Sean Miller in Ohio State. We'll see how this plays out. Obviously, they're not going to name anything in terms of a coach during the season until after Ohio State and or whatever team that coach comes from, but that that's the, the early gauge on the rumor mill. Yeah. You sent this to me yesterday and just sounds like all indications that there's been a handshake agreement, but nothing official will come out till the end of the, at least the regular season or the conclusion of both Ohio state and probably Xavier's seasons. But it sounds like Sean Miller by all indications will be the next head coach in Columbus. We'll see. And this was a guy who's already on the short list to begin with. So Again, we'll we'll see how this plays out, but I would be kind of surprised at this at this point if he is not one of the favorites for this job. A guy that had a lot of success at Arizona kind of tailed off the last couple years and ended up getting fired after the 2020-2021 season and then returned to where his career started, Xavier, and 
had a good year last year, got to the Sweet 16 with X in his first year, has kind of struggled this year at 13 and 11. But I think this is a good hire for Ohio State. I think this is a proven head coach and has proven it at the high major level with Arizona. Um, getting to a couple uh, lead eights, four lead eights over the course of his career with Arizona. Um, so I think this is a good hire for Ohio State. Uh, meanwhile, elsewhere in college basketball, the Southland Conference has suspended eight players from the brawl at the end of the Texas A&M Commerce oh, Incarnate Word game. I didn't well, see anything a, they bad. Had a, they had a brawl. I know. <laughs> a lot of punches thrown. A lot of punches thrown. So eight players, was it four on each team? that are suspended immediately. I mean, neither of these teams are any good. They're not going anywhere. So just suspend them for the rest of the season, the players, and got to be done with it. Yeah. But like they were handing out like one, two, three game suspensions. Like, I mean, for what we saw, those guys should not even see the court the rest of the season. But, you know, it is the Southland, whatever. (laughs) Continuing on in headlines, the Comets uh, announcing... Some moves uh, after a bit of a, a tough run, but look, it's the reality of the season. Guys are going to come and go based on the affiliate, and the latest is that Ethan Keppen has been loaned to the Wolfpack of the American Hockey League. That's Hartford. And then defenseman Connor Corcoran has been recalled by the Bakersfield Condors. Uh, just when it rains, it pours after a terrible weekend for the Comets. Now they lose Keppen and Corcoran to the AHL. Then again, the way the K's have been playing, maybe it's not the worst thing that <laughs> they're losing some of these guys at this point. But uh, pivotal uh, stretch for the Comets. This is either going to bury them or they're miraculously going to return from the dead with six of the next seven coming up against Toledo and Wheeling. But it's the Comets seem to be tailing off pretty quick here at the end of the season. They're now fifth in the Central after Kalamazoo got a win, I think last night, to now go jump two points ahead of the Ks with still three games in hand on the Comets. Fort Wayne FC has announced that single match tickets are on sale. They open up their season against the Dayton Dutch Lions on Saturday, May 18th at 7 o'clock. Once again, they'll be playing uh, at St. Francis uh, for the upcoming season at Bishop Darcy Stadium. Cool to see with FC. And the schedule out. Now you can plan accordingly with the big big screen out there. It's a great atmosphere, not just for FC games, but also for St. Francis. So uh, circle some dates, get out there, and watch FC this spring. And in high school news around the area, East Noble football coach Luke Amstutz resigning. Amstutz will be the athletic director. Yeah, I heard this yesterday, yesterday morning, that he was meeting with his players and, and reached out to Luke Amstutz, and uh, he confirmed it. And a guy that... Has made no secret, at least to me, over the last several years that he wanted to get into administration. His kids are kind of getting to that age where he wants to be able to go and watch them involved with a bunch of different things. So it's just a natural step for Coach Amstutz after a dozen years uh, at the helm of East Noble. Overall record 98-37 and 37 at East Noble. His winning percentage of 725, the highest in program history. Captured four Northeast State championships. Uh, for, uh, under his tutelage and just a, a, a one of the top programs in the area all around in terms of competitiveness, in terms of facilities, community support, uh, et cetera, et cetera, pipeline in terms of a youth program. Um, now that job is open and we'll see what direction the Knights go 
And I would imagine Luke Amstutz will be pivotal in hiring his successor. One would think, and that's, I guess, the, the positive for people who are already freaking out about the, the program, is that he'll have a hand in the next coach. And who knows if that next coach is potentially already on staff? Is it somebody in the area that could be very interested? Do they bring in an outsider? Who knows? But I'm definitely confident that they will have some some really good candidates outside the building that will look at East Noble as a job that they would love to have. And then there's Indiana. Oh, yeah. IU at home last night at Assembly Fall uh, Hall. Yeah. <laughs> Fall, that's as well. good, it's, good it fell slip apart up. at the hall last that, night. That, that they that. did. They lose to Nebraska 85-70, to 70, so they're swept by the Huskers on the season. This is an IU team that gave up 51 points in the first half. They were down 22 at one point in this game. Um, yes, they did rally back. They cut it to three at 59-56 with, I don't know, like seven or so minutes left in the second half of this game. And then Northwestern, or Northwestern, Nebraska went on a, a quick 7-0 run, and, and that was that. That was the end of the game. Um, and for Indiana, you can't be falling behind by 20 points at halftime. It's just inexcusable. And, and Casey Tomonaga had an unbelievable first half, 4-7 from three, 18 points he finished with 20 for the game as they switched Trey Galloway onto him defensively, actually slowed him down completely in the second half with that de- defensive switch. But the game was over at halftime. Once again, we've seen this several times of late with this IU team, and it, it's it's not just that IU was down 20 at halftime. It's the fact that Nebraska just won their first Big Ten road game of the season. Before that, they were losing by an average of nearly 12.5 points per game. That is how bad of a loss for Indiana this is at home. Now, Nebraska's an NCAA tournament team. Don't get me wrong, but it just goes to show you how far down the pecking order Indiana has fallen this season. It's it's like I don't know where to start. No, this morning I, I really don't with Indiana. I just um, pathetic performance in the the first half of the second half doesn't take away from just laying a complete egg at home over the first 20 minutes. And there's just no excuse to come out on your home floor, and especially when the narrative with, with, with media and stuff still trying to say, well, they went out, and like the urgency that you should feel as a basketball team knowing we have to win every single game to even have a chance, and to come out and play the way they did in the first half, that's on the coaches. I mean, that's, that's straight-up coaching. Because where is the intensity? Where is the motivation? You have the motivation. You have to win out. And that team looked like it did not want to be there. Especially in the first half. And we've seen this for several games now in the first half where they just come out completely flat. And you go back to the Penn State game, losing that one. I mean, that to me, that was the end of the season, right? I mean, I get that it was clear where this was headed before then, but that was the final nail in the coffin for me. You lose to Penn State at home. And yes, Penn State's had some good wins of late, but those are the kind of games, right? You got to win home games in the Big Ten against teams at or below your level. And IU's failed to do that in recent weeks. I think there was one play in the first half that really encapsulated not just this game, but the season for Indiana. And it was on defense, I think in the last four minutes of the first half. And I don't know if it was... I think it was Tomonaga, has the ball at the top of the key and decides to drive. He goes right around 
uh, Mackenzie Mbako, who is like lazy coming off a screen. It was a bad screen, but Mbako just stayed engaged instead of bouncing off it. Kalel Ware doesn't do anything. He's late. And then Trey Galloway just gets out of the way. <laughs> it's a drive to the bus bucket by Tomanaga and Trey Galloway just moves out of the way. Like literally just move instead of like, it looked like he hesitated and said, well, do I try to take the charge? Now nah, I'm just going to get out of the way. And it was an easy layup. Like that single play encapsulated the first half, the entire game. And quite frankly, the entire season, you have three guys that could stop the ball and none of them did. It just, it's effort at this point. And, and and Mike Woodson has lost this team. I don't care what they do the rest of the season. I don't care what, like, Mike Woodson is done at Indiana. He is done. And my thing is, with Indiana, like, why waste the, why, why it's a wasted season yeah. next year at yes. this point. I mean, we talked uh, yesterday, and who'd we have on? Tyler. Th- Tyler Smith. Yeah, Tyler Smith talking about maybe five or six guys returning to the team. He knows things that we don't, okay? And he's already seeing and hearing about a mass exodus out of this out of this team. He he said some interesting things. I'm glad you pointed it out because I wanted to get to that with a, a text that came in at 46862. Staff has lost the locker room. That's absolutely true. Uh, they won't have a team this offseason. Some players might enter portal before end of the season. Been brewing for a while. Absolutely. And look, we know that Xavier Johnson's gone because he's out of eligibility, right? Uh, we know that Khalil Ware has his eyes on the NBA, and that's been the case all season. Right from from the get go, and and he has done enough. How his stock has slipped, but he'll still probably be drafted. Right. Uh, beyond that, it's a toss up. Leal and Galloway, do they want to come back? I don't think Leal comes back. I I don't think so. Um, you look at other guys and CJ Gunn. Yeah. The guys that he mentioned, Tyler Smith, yesterday in our interview. If you missed that, catch up on the podcast page, Apple. Spotify, wherever you listen to podcasts, you can download it for free. Caleb and Kenny in the morning, just search for it on your favorite podcasting platform. But the guys that he mentioned and the guys that he didn't mention in our discussion talking about, you know, who comes back with this team was fascinating. He mentioned where going to the NBA, having his eyes on the NBA. He mentioned uh, Liam McNeely coming in as the recruit. Uh, and then he mentioned the seniors, and, you know, that, you know, whatever they decide to do because they have that extra year due to COVID. But it's the people he didn't mention, right? Like the CJ Gunn, the the McKenzie and Baco, right? Like McKenzie and Baco's gone. There's no way he's coming back to this team. No, I don't. I don't think so. Uh, and this is the thing is, and people say, well, you can rebuild a roster quickly. What makes anybody possibly think that Mike Woodson can reload with transfers and Liam McNeely and all that stuff and put together a cohesive team? Because he hasn't proven he can do it. That's yeah, what he tried to Indiana. do this season. And it didn't work. Like he's in, is incapable of meshing a team together. He's going to go out, star chase, try to get the best type possible players at a position instead of, I don't know, trying to find what fits in terms of his team. And then he's going to throw it all out on the floor and, and pray that it works together. And it just, it's, it doesn't happen. And, and once again, Mike Woodson, just the gift that keeps on giving last night, quote, we're young, we're missing our senior point guard. Trying to play a freshman at point guard is tough. There's a lot that comes in play with that, et cetera, et cetera. I'm just, I'm tired of the excuses. My, uh, I mean, just, he's the just same say, coach who left an open scholarship. He's the same coach who bet on Xavier Johnson again. And and look, he was seen to be one of the key pieces coming back, but a lot of people thought there'd be an additional piece with that in the backcourt. That simply has not been the case. Right. Um, I use lost three straight home games. They've lost seven of nine. 
They're now six and nine overall in Big Ten play. Uh, th- this team's in absolute freefall. They've been outscored, or excuse me, yeah, they they they've trailed at halftime in eleven of fifteen Big Ten games this season. Eleven out of fifteen. <laughs> uh, uh, someone someone terrible. texting in at, at four six eight six two. Gun is gone. Banks is gone. Yeah, Banks is gone. He hasn't played minutes in in weeks. Mbako's gone. Only players that might stay are Renew and Cups. Maybe Galloway. That's it. Yeah, that's where it stands. And then some of the the freshmen who you know, like what does Jakai Newton do? Does he in the, enter the portal? He was injured. He didn't play, so maybe he sees a, a path to more playing time. But that's it. I mean, you you'll, you should feel happy to keep Malik Renew. He'll probably stay because he's, he's really the star. Got, yeah, it, it kind of doesn't have any other. Option. It'll be his team. Yeah. Yeah, he'll be the stud, and and as a guy that's trying to pad his NBA resume, he wants to be the guy, and he'll be the guy, and maybe maybe uh, surrounded by not a lot next year. But just you have to; it's not going to happen. But 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 why are you even just keeping him another year? Right? Like it's over. It's pathetic. And I asked you, it's like, you know, were there boos coming off the court? Yeah, there were boos at halftime, Slightly, there were boos at the end of the but game. But you know what? There was a still packed house at the assembly hall uh, yesterday. I'd push back on that because the balcony was uh, empty before tip. Balcony, yes, but I need to see sizable yeah. holes in the and, lower bowl. Like that's, I, that's the part that's surprising to me is the fact that people are still showing up. I guess it's the people that got bought their tickets before the season, and again, I guess we'll drive down on a Wednesday night to see Indiana, uh, even though we don't really want to. And, and you go, it's just, but that's when apathy sets in, and just people stop showing up. That's me. But why waste your time going through another season of this? It's not getting any better. Mike Woodson isn't all of a sudden going to realize how to be a college basketball coach, and I don't really. I I, I kind of hate piling on Mike Woodson. He's just, he was the wrong hire. He is who he is and he's not a college basketball coach. And I put more onus on the Indiana brain trust and Quinn Buckner for thinking that Mike Woodson could be a good college basketball coach when he had no resume whatsoever at that level. But he was an IU guy. It's the only reason he got this job. Yes. And we all know that And Scott Dolson who failed to do a search because they zeroed in on one guy and a guy that at least in the beginning had people around him to help him, but then he got rid of those people. Yeah. Dane he got Fife. rid of Dane Fife. Uh, Thad Mata moved on. That was probably more of it only like a one year thing to begin with just to get his feet wet uh, to help Woodson with the administrative stuff behind the scenes. I understand that one, but getting rid of Dane Fife was the first red flag. And we all thought it was kind of weird in the moment. And it was clearly they, they clashed and didn't get along. Whatever. But the fact that Dane Fife has had nothing to say uh, negatively about IU, I think, says a lot post-mortem as far as his, his coaching career at Indiana. It's never been about IU. Yeah. Uh, and it never was about IU uh, for, for Dane Fife as far as you know, IU let him down. It was clearly a disagreement between him and Mike Woodson, and IU has, has really suffered. And when you get embarrassed time and time again at home, I mean that that's that that's damning, and and somebody texting it about the lower bowl having season ticket holders. Nobody's forcing those season ticket holders to show up. If I'm a season ticket holder, I got better things to do on a Wednesday night than go watch that dumpster fire. And it's just it's uh, it's pathetic. It's absolutely pathetic. And what's even more pathetic is the bums that hired Mike Woodson are going to be the bums that keep him for another year. Meaning this program is not going anywhere. 
just get rid of him, hire somebody else, whether that's Dusty May, as much as I disagree with, at least do something to turn the page, but they're just content on, on writing out the string. I, this is the, the lamest of lame duck seasons I've ever seen. Because remember, at least with Tom Green, he had that one bad year after winning the Big Ten, and he got fired, right? And, th- and there was a great text at the end of the show yesterday that if the expectations for Indiana now were what they were late in Tom Green's tenure, he would have kept his job. Yeah. He was going to NCAA tournaments. He was winning Big Ten titles and got fired. And meanwhile, the uh, Indiana is a middling team in the Big Ten the, under Mike Woodson, and they made back-to-back tournaments, and he got a raise. A million dollars, seven-figure raise. Is absolutely absurd. You are what you put your expectations on yourself. And IU has put pathetic expectations on itself for basketball. They hire a guy with zero college basketball coaching experience. Zero. They're, they're giving him raises for making the tournament. Like that's some big thing at Indiana. I just, you know what gets you a raise for making the tournament? If John Kaufman made back to back NCAA tournaments, at Purdue-Fort Wayne, that should command a big raise. Massive raise. It shouldn't be a raise at Indiana. It's just, it's so absurd whether you you want to blame the the uh, athletics department, you want to blame Quinn Buckner, they're all bums. They're all complete bums, and yesterday was the new low point for Indiana basketball under Mike Woodson. And it's only going to get lower as the season goes it's on. It's just going to get worse. Do you really expect this team to all of a sudden come out and play hard for the next five games of the season? No. I just last night, just when you think it can't get any worse for Indiana basketball, you have the first half that you saw last night. And even when you were texting me and I turned it on in the second half and I'm watching the league go from eight to six to four to three. And I'm just like, it doesn't matter. Like the, the, the it doesn't matter after the first half we saw and, and, and the, the crowd feeds into it, getting all excited. Like you're having to come down, you're come, come back from 20 down at home against Nebraska. Yeah, this wasn't Purdue. This wasn't Michigan State, Wisconsin, right? It wasn't some of the the top teams over the years in the Big Ten. You throw in Illinois. It's Nebraska, a a team that is going to make the NCAA tournament. But for IU, that's, that's out of reach. That's out of reach this season. Feels out of reach next year. You look at the schedule the rest of the way. At Penn State, coming up on Saturday, Wisconsin at home, at Maryland, at Minnesota, Michigan State at home. Do they even win another game? I mean, they'll probably win one, but that's it. If IU, worst case scenario, lose, lost out. And lost in the first round of the Big Ten tournament. Is there any chance that Mike Woodson is gone? Could you see at the very least them transferring Mike Woodson into some... Um, Administrative, administrative role. Administrative role and then hiring a new head coach. Because I think that's the only option. They're not firing him. They should, but they won't. Could they see him going, yeah, you know, 66 years old, Mike, we'd love to have you around and we're just going to you know, pivot you into this administrative role and kind of spin it that way? Is there any hope for that to happen? I, I would I, say no. I, I say no, too. <laughs> I just... But I see where you're going, but I say no. It just it's absolutely embarrassing what's going on, Bloomington. And, and and I think the most the most damning thing is it's being tolerated. Athletics department, 
trustees, fans, quit going to games. Quit supporting this terrible program. But they keep showing up. And they're like shills. Just show up and cheer and blah, blah, blah. And oh my gosh, look at them. They're only down three against Nebraska. They were down 20 in the first half. What are you doing down 20 in the first half against Nebraska? At home. Now, with the fans if keep the, showing up and cheering. If the Penn and blah, 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 State blah, game just, wasn't the breaking point, I don't know what will be. Because that, to me, was the breaking point for this team in this season. But if people are still going to be showing up and talking about this team and locked in, so be it. I mean, we're, we're locked in for different reasons, right? We're we locked in for the entertainment in. Yeah, factor. Oh, it's and just a gift that keeps on giving, you know? <laughs> and, and we're not going to not watch. That's just the reality uh, with what we do. But for the average fan, like, what what is pulling you to even keep watching or go to games or support? Because they're, they're not doing anything worth supporting at the moment. Lost three consecutive games at home to Nebraska, Northwestern, and Penn State. And I know we'll talk about that more in the second hour, but that's just embarrassing. Absolutely embarrassing. And you know what, IU fans? When you tune into the next game, when you go to the next game, you're just supporting this dumpster fire. This apathy has to set in. You have to just, you know what? I'm not watching. I'm not going. It's the only way that something changes before the end of next season. And I still think the chances of that are very low. Coming up in hour number two, we'll talk about that in-season trifecta, and just how big of a low that it is for this IU program. Meanwhile, on the other side, Larry Bird. Yeah, he started out at Indiana and eventually started at Indiana State, but neither of those were his first choice, where he wanted to go. Next, Caleb and Kenny in the morning, 1380 The Fan and 100.9 FM. Caleb and Kenny in the morning here on 1380 The Fan, 100.9 FM. Don't forget, you can always listen to us via the stream at 1380thefan.com. That's free via the 1380 The Fan mobile app, free for you to download for your phone or on your smart speaker as well. So Larry Bird, uh, in a conversation with Reggie Miller and Isaiah Thomas over the course of NBA All-Star Weekend, uh, dropped this interesting nugget talking about uh, where he originally wanted to go to college. Yes, he started at IU, he left, and it wasn't because he was homesick, as he clarifies, and ended up at Indiana State and started there before going on to have a very successful NBA career with the Boston Celtics. But where he originally wanted to go? Oh, I, mean, I wanted to go Kentucky, but Kentucky quit recruiting me, so it was down to Indiana State and IU, so I went to IU. Financially, I couldn't stay. Okay. Reggie, I just couldn't do it. Mm-hmm. Couldn't do it. it wasn't I was homesick or I didn't like the coach. One thing about me, I always said the coaches coach and the players play. Mm-hmm. You know, whatever they tell you, you got to do. You might not like it, but you got to do it. That's what they do. Right. That's their expertise. And <laughs> that's an interesting I, revelation. I'm, I'm surprised the room didn't explode. Yeah, right? I mean, Isaiah so, Thomas. So I'm surprised at there. least Isaiah Thomas yeah. didn't jump down his throat. <laughs> but could you have imagined? Well, and here's the thing I mean, Kentucky had success. Like, uh, they they won the championship in 1978. Uh, they played for a regional final one of the the prior years. So that was a program that had a lot of success up until I want to say the final year in in 79. They they really struggled uh, that season. But it's it's crazy to think about. I was Kyle Macy on those yeah, teams, the, right? The, yeah, Peru? the level of of talent 
on some of those teams and how much success they had. I think it was like Kyle Macy and Sam Bowie were on the was on that team. Those were kind of leaders of those late. Yeah, the, the seventy eight seventy nine team, which would have been Bird's final year at Indiana State, that was the team that struggled. They were nineteen and twelve at yeah. Kentucky. Pretty uh and yes, Kyle Macy, uh Fred Cowan on that team as well, Dwayne Casey, so a a lot of, of name people I mean, a lot of NBA dudes. I mean, yeah. that's, uh, the year before, Macy was on that team. You had Jack Givens who went to the NBA. It was on that team. They had a really good center, too. I can't remember what his name was. But, I mean, those were good Kentucky teams. But they could have found room for Larry Bird. That's for sure. One would think. But uh, Bird Is, could you went imagine on like, to, to IU and then, obviously, Indiana State. The, the, the what if. Is, is Larry Bird as revered in this state? as he is now, if he had went to Kentucky. No, absolutely There's no, no way. way, right? And I think that's the interesting part in all of this, is that we learn this now, what, 40-some years later, and this was a, a move that, you know, if he goes to Kentucky, especially back then, at that time, I mean, he becomes a public enemy, right? Oh, yeah. And... We learn this now, and we can kind of laugh about it and chat about it. But, I mean, that's how big of a deal that would have been then. Uh, instead, he went to Indiana, where he was expected to go. That's just how things worked in-state back in that era. And so, no, there's absolutely no way Larry Legend is beloved in the state of Indiana. <laughs> and, uh, there's probably no way that he comes back to be a part of the Pacers organization. Like, all these things that have changed, yeah. or that would have changed, if he ended up going to Kentucky. But it didn't matter, because Kentucky didn't want him even though he wanted to go to Kentucky. And uh, maybe it took him 40 years to admit it. Maybe he's far, he finally was like, you know what, this isn't going to kill my legacy at this no, point. I'll finally no. admit this 40 years after the fact that I uh, wanted to go to Kentucky. What's interesting, too, is him mentioning how he basically just couldn't afford Bloomington. Yeah, it wasn't wasn't Bob Knight as yeah. an issue. Wasn't being homesick. Which that was always the rumor. Yeah. I mean, if he, if he was homesick, then he goes to Indiana State, which is further away, right? It kind of puts that perspective he just he couldn't afford it yeah just couldn't afford it and ended up at indiana state so yeah what could have been but i think it's fascinating to hear him say you know i really wanted to go to kentucky and even admitting that as one of the best players ever in this state to play high school basketball to admit that that you know what as a high schooler in the midst of hoosier hysteria i really had my eyes on lexington kentucky and a guy who's Part of the the legendary sports figures from the state, right? He's on the short list. Yeah. Even for people like not from here who played here, obviously you throw in Peyton Manning and, and Reggie Miller on that list as well, but those three are locks. The fourth one you can always have up for debate. Well, he's known nationwide. When you think Larry Bird, you think the state of Indiana, and that wouldn't be the case if he had uh, suited up for the Cats down in Lexington. No. Ugh. Gross. Certainly not. From uh, the one Wildcat to another in Northwestern. Their stadium getting demolished. So where are they actually going to play their game? So an interesting matchup when they take on IU. Where We'll explain where they're expected to play coming up in October. That's next. Caleb and Kenny in the morning, 1380 The Fan and 100.9 FM. Caleb and Kitty in the morning here on 1380 The Fan and 100.9 FM. 46862 is how you get in touch with us on the text line. Just put in CK before your message. We talked about Larry Bird admitting that he wanted to go to Kentucky. 
Yes, Kentucky. Uh, someone texting in at 46862. Bird had to wait for Knight to pass away before he admitted he wanted to play for Kentucky. <laughs> you have That's a great a very point good there. point. <laughs> yes, I could see that being a thing. Uh, so from IU basketball and the, the IU tie-in with Larry Bird, of course, started at Indiana before starting at Indiana State, to IU football and some interesting developments on one of their opponents for this upcoming season, Kurt Signetti's first year in Bloomington. Northwestern, which is demolishing Ryan Field and rebuilding it, uh, have, has yet to sign contracts for any of their home games. In fact, it's unclear where their home opener is going to even be played at. They have several conflicts they're working with. One thing that is clear is two games are set. One, Ohio State going to play at Wrigley Field that on November 16th. And the other game that seems set at the moment is Northwestern and Indiana on October 5th. Not going to be played at Wrigley. Not going to be played at Soldier Field. This will be played at SeatGeek Stadium, which... If you're unfamiliar, Justin is quite familiar with. I am. As uh, part of our 7-on-7 program, we traveled to Chicago quite a bit and have played a Nationals event at SeatGeek Stadium, and the events we play in are in the shadow of SeatGeek Stadium on the SeatGeek campus. So, very familiar. I could show Northwestern around the area, give them some of the hot spots in Bridgeview, Illinois. And and the thing that's weird, this is a a capacity of 20,000, um, but and it's a soccer stadium first and foremost in Bridgeview, so in the suburbs of Chicago. But what's odd to me, it's not where the Chicago Fire play. Correct. In fact, they played there through 2019. They now play at Soldier Field. That's where the uh, the women's soccer uh, professional team uh, plays. The Chicago Red Stars and then Chicago Fire FC two, which is like the second tier. Yeah, like they're under 23 team, mm-hmm. I think, but Chicago not Fire. the Chicago Fire. So it's it's fascinating that this facility yes it gets used but i'm i'm surprised that it's uh not not the home of the fire because it's more the right size venue right right, for them um but this is where iu will play northwestern this upcoming season other things on the schedule that are fascinating so they're looking at playing uh well the the opponent has not been named but we all know who the opponent will be for this um there will likely be a game played at lambeau field in green bay which is a, they have Wisconsin as a home game. Yeah. So that makes just too o- much sense. October 19th uh, with a, a large capacity there. So you have 81,000 and my guess is what, 70,000 will be Wisconsin Badger fans right. in that game. So it's just a mess. In fact, their their season opener set for September 1st. They can't play it at SeatGeek because there's a music fest that's going on that same date uh, when they play Miami, Ohio. Uh, Soldier Field unavailable because... Uh, the Chicago Fire are hosting Inter Miami, aka Lionel Messi. Not Wrigley Field, that. guaranteed rate field, still hosting Cubs and White Sox baseball games. So they may have to push the the game back a day to Sunday, September first, and play at Soldier Field just for their season opener. So just a, a complete mess. And the thing that's puzzling to me: so you knew you're going to demolish your stadium and rebuild it. That's great. They got a, a big donation to kind of make it the the right venue that they want it to be. They didn't think about mapping out all these contracts of where they're going to play in the future because this isn't this isn't just a problem for this season. It's a problem for next season as well. Twenty four and twenty five seems like something they should have in place before this, right? Yeah. Uh. <laughs> but I mean, I I you at SeatGeek Stadium. I mean, you you basically just took a road game and made it where 
you're an Indiana fan, you feel a lot better about that road game because not many Northwestern fans are going to be showing up to Bridgeview no, uh, to, to see Geek Stadium. Going from Evanston Like, to playing Bridgeview. at Wrigley Field makes sense because that's not far from Evanston. But all the other venues, I, I guess Soldier Field, you can make work. But it's just not... It is, it's going to be a mess for Northwestern. And as good as they were last season, right, in the, the first season post-Pat Fitzgerald and having a new coach, it feels like this will kind of be the opposite coming up this season on how things are setting up. Definitely not making things easy for Northwestern this upcoming season and next season as well. But I would imagine they play a couple games at SeatGeek over the next couple years, probably a couple games at Soldier Field. Maybe they have a Wrigley Field game in 2025 as well. Who knows? But not ideal. And when you would think that, just as you said, there would be a plan in place, a deal in place. At the very least, you would have more than two games that you absolutely know or where they're going to be, or pretty much set, according to Wildcat Report. And that's the Indiana game at SeatGeek and the game against Ohio State at Wrigley Field. Those are the only two games that they're like, yeah, we have a pretty confident uh, opinion that those are going to happen where they're going to be at. So (laughs) just uh, mind-boggling that they're still trying to figure this out. The season starts like six months. Yeah. This is a, a fascinating development, and look, we we talked about IU and their their win total. What was four and a half? I think going into the season, and I took the over on that. I think they're a team that can win five, maybe even six games, and this is just another example of things actually going the Hoosiers' way for the upcoming year. We shall see. I mean, I, I temper the enthusiasm with Signetti. I know he has a a better resume than Ryan Walters, but. I just get similar vibes on the positivity around IU, IU football right now that we had last year at this time with Purdue football. And, oh, turning the page and look at all you know the energetic coach coming in and they're going to hit the ground running. And it was anything but for the Boilermakers on the football field last year. So temper the enthusiasm a little bit. But as I said, Signetti much more experienced than Ryan Walters, which will be a definitive boost. Uh, one other story I want to get to before we... Move on to hour number two. Dan Marino uh, named his greatest NFL quarterbacks, uh, excluding himself, which I would put him on on the list. I would too. Uh, so he, he went with some obvious choices. Uh, Mahomes, Brady, uh, Montana, John Elway. But I think the other interesting choice, and maybe this is kind of a way to put him in the into the argument without obviously putting his name on his own list. Jim Kelly. Huh. I mean, a dude that took a team to the Super Bowl four straight years, couldn't win it, played in a different era in terms of quarterback and the expectations there, but uh, achieved a lot. Just couldn't get that uh, Super Bowl championship. And as you mentioned, maybe echoes of himself, considering he never won a Super Bowl, putting Jim Kelly in that conversation. Also, not winning a Super Bowl. And again, a good quarterback. Mind you, right? I mean, Jim Kelly was a, a yeah. good NFL player. I mean, he's a Pro Football Hall of Famer, right? So it's not like this was a reach. It's just, I think, a guy who's forgotten in the conversation. Yes. Only because he never won a Super Bowl. Marino was so great that he was able to overcome his his one Super Bowl trip that he didn't win, right? I mean, a, a 5,000-yard season in, in 1984, I mean, it's just unheard of then and still 
I think a more impressive feat now when you look at it as time goes on. Like 40 years removed from it and still it's very impressive. one of the most impressive seasons by a quarterback we've ever seen. Yeah, totally agree. So interesting case that you don't hear very often in terms of making it for Jim Kelly of the Buffalo Bills. So interesting list. Coming up on the other side, Mike Woodson has completed the in-season trifecta in Bloomington. A new low for the Hoosiers. Caleb and Kenny in the morning, 1380 The Fan and 100.9 FM. Hour number two, Caleb and Kenny in the morning here on 1380 The Fan and 100.9 FM. Caleb Hatch and Justin Kinney with you coming up this hour on the show here on a Thursday. Mike Woodson has completed an in-season trifecta. A new low down in Bloomington. Plus, Purdue, despite some struggles, at least with the eye test of late, a loss to Ohio State on the road, struggling against Minnesota. They still pass the metrics test for March. We'll take a look at the numbers. And Tyrese Halliburton speaks out on NBA All-Star Game changes. What he had to say, what he thinks they can do, and also uh, Halliburton, the mayor. Yeah, we'll, we'll play some of that audio as well. And before we leave you this hour on the show, a Florida man, off to a good start already, has this pulled from his nose. I can't wait for this story because I don't know what it is. It's and disturbing. I'm not looking it up on purpose because yeah. I want to. You see need this. to be surprised. Yes. Can't wait for this. Very disturbing indeed. I, ugh. I'm thinking of the picture that I saw when I looked this up <laughs> last night, and I'm, I'm can't wait to look out. it up. <laughs> four six eight six two again. The text line number four six eight six two. That is how you reach us. Just put in CK before your question, comment, or rant. Also, don't forget you can always listen to us. Via the 1380thefan mobile app. That's free to download for your phone. 1380thefan.com on the stream or on your smart speaker as well. So, Mike Woodson and IU's loss to Nebraska at home last night, 85-70. to A game in which they gave up 51 first half points. We're down as much as 22. Yes, they cut it to three at one point in the second half. And then Nebraska closed it out with a quick 7-0 run uh, to put the game away. And then pulled away at the end. But for Indiana, this is the second time this has happened in school history, to, to my knowledge. Mike Woodson pulled off the trifecta, losing to Penn State, Northwestern, and Nebraska all at home. Now, this has happened one under t- one other time in IU basketball history. The 2013-2014 team under Tom Crean, which finished 17-15, and 15, and that was the team after losing Cody Zeller and Victor Oladipo you know, top four picks in the NBA draft after that great team that, to be fair, fell well short of expectations a year prior, only making the Sweet 16. That was a season that everyone knew would be a down year. Pre-transfer portal, right? It was just a lot harder to build quickly in college basketball. Um, but for Mike Woodson and this team, this this was a program that the expectation going into the season, right, was to simply make the NCAA tournament and see what happens. It was not some sort of pie-in-the-sky thing. Uh, Everyone knew this would be a different team. You had a lot of incoming people, incoming transfers, incoming freshmen. It's Could they get better by mid-February, late February, and and put something together in March? Because you knew it would be tough early, and it was very tough early. They struggled against teams they should have been blowing out by 20, 30 points, and maybe that was the first warning sign that we had was from the get-go struggling with teams like Florida Gulf Coast and and so on and so forth at home. But this trifecta by Woodson, previously in this program, the fact it's only happened one other time losing to 
Penn State, Northwestern, and Nebraska all at home in the same season. And I get that Nebraska hasn't been in the Big Ten for forever. But this would have been cause for absolute meltdown for the fan base. And now it just seems to be complete apathy. Just um, same old, same old. And it's uh, and once again, if you listen to Mike Woodson after last night's game, it's just more and more excuses. Talking about, oh, we don't have our senior point guard. Well, remember when Xavier Johnson was out there? Because it wasn't going well when he was out there. Career low shooting and scoring numbers for him. He had 27 turnovers and 30 assists on the season. That's not what you want a senior point guard to be doing. Almost as many turnovers as an assist. Technical fouls, flagrants. Like, was he really that much of a subtraction to the lineup? Because when Xavier Johnson was in there, we were criticizing Xavier Johnson a fair amount of the time. I just feel like Mike Woodson has no idea. Either he's just so incredibly ignorant or senile. He just doesn't recognize what's going on. Talking about, I mean, last night talking about Xavier Johnson like he was that good when he was in because he wasn't. We I talked mean, about think him. about when he came back from injury this season, and you had the Rutgers game, right? It was one of his first games. He had he had the good performance against Ohio State, and then he had a, a, a struggle, and one of them included the Rutgers game where he gets ejected right for a blow the belt right. shot. Like he got he he got another flagrant with a dirty play against Purdue. So. It's not like he he's, he's being viewed and treated like he's some sort of savior for this team. And yes, there is a chance that Woodson always leaves the door open, right? I think he said recently the other day earlier this week that, oh yeah, there's a chance that Xavier Johnson could be back before the end of the season. It's like, why? It's like, so what? He's not very good. He, had the, he has the worst plus minus on the entire roster this year. It's not good. Yet... He points to that as the reason why they were down 20 and gave up 51 points in the first half last night against Nebraska. Ah, well, we're missing our senior point guard. Remember, yeah. he's he's blaming Xavier Johnson's injury last season yeah. for the reason why Jalen Huchofino's in the NBA right now and why IU doesn't have enough depth at point guard now. It's, it's just, you know, earlier this week when we talked about it, him talking about Jalen Huchofino and nobody thought he was going to the NBA when everybody yeah. thought he was going to the NBA. Like, this is just a senile dude. And, and maybe if Indiana can find a way to be like, you know, and use that excuse, Mike, you're, you know, you're 66, you're getting up there. You just, uh, you know, maybe we just need to kind of transition you out of that head coaching position. Um, that may be your only option because you listen to Mike Woodson talk. He's not on the same planet as everybody else. When he, when, when talking about this IU basketball team, like, is he even seeing what we're seeing? Is he in denial does he refuse to talk about it? Is he just senile out of his mind? And you're like, what is he talking about? And that's kind of where I've, I've reached. That's like the only hope that you get rid of Mike Woodson at the end of the season is somehow you can be like, uh, you've lost it. And if you listen to him talk, it sure as hell sounds like he has. There's no accountability on his end. And all his answers talk about things, oh, we have to do this better and we have to do this better. But it's They're like, all you're, excuses. You're the coach. Oh, this guy, we didn't think he was going to go to the NBA. This guy, oh, if he wasn't hurt. This, it, it, it's never... His first thing in that press conference yesterday, you know, is which should have been, my performance last night was unacceptable. It's my job to get this team ready to play, and I didn't do my job. 
they're not ready to play in the first half. I mentioned last hour they've trailed in 11 of 15 Big Ten games at halftime this season. So they're not ready to play the start games on a regular basis in the Big Ten. Um, this this is a, a team, we talk about Archie Miller's final year. We talk about Green and his final year. This is a team that's going to be worse when it's all said and done than both of those teams by far. Uh, we could have an, an IU team perhaps lose out with the way things are going. It's uh, And that may be your only hope for an IU fan to, to get rid of Mike Woodson. And it, it, it's, it's crossed the point of, well, maybe he can figure it out for next year. It's you're, you're, you're where you're in a position now where you're, you're looking at, okay, which of these guys really comes back next year, either going to the NBA or transferring because it doesn't look like a lot of dudes right now sound like they want to come back at least from behind the scenes. Yeah. And the other problem is you don't have a lot of dudes coming in. You have Liam McNeely, one recruit. Coming in for next year. But he's and, a five-star, Caleb. He's a five-star. Well, you almost had another five-star. And that other five-star, Derek Queen, who was on IU's radar for a long time. And, you know, you heard different things. Where's he trending going? Was it Maryland? Is it Indiana? And that was always the talk. Well, last night, he committed to Maryland. He's staying home. So you don't have him coming in. So you have one player coming in, and he's supposed to be a shooter. Uh, we've seen this happen with Mike Woodson and other guys who are supposed to be shooters, uh, right? Those, those, Tamar Bates, who's sure. having a monster season at Missouri. Um, <laughs> I saw this pointed out on social media. He has a tattoo on, I believe, his right forearm of a chess pawn looking into a mirror, and the reflection <laughs> from the mirror is actually a king, <laughs> which I thought was... <laughs> Probably a direct shot at Mike Woodson in, in Indiana. Is that for sure. maybe one of the most damning things is the success that yes. players are having when they leave Indiana? Yes. I think so, too. Tamar Bates is it turned into a quality basketball player. The the guy that we thought he was going to be, and it just, for whatever reason, didn't work at Indiana. You feel like you're going to get that same thing with C.J. Gunn because I, I would be shocked if he doesn't transfer. And he's had flashes. Uh, for Indiana this season, has uh, had a couple of good games. A good game against what was it? Was it Ohio State? He started, um, but Bates this season for Mizzou, averaging nearly 14 points a game, shooting 50 percent. This is a guy who couldn't hit anything. 92 percent from the free throw line, 40 percent from three. He's averaging a 50, 40, 90 for Mizzou. Ah, <laughs> uh, you could use that. It's just, uh, and I don't know if it comes with getting older, but I have. I have I've, I lack patience with if you know and I've said this about quarterbacks too if you know they're not good enough then why waste your time and in, in the, get rid of them in the transfer portal and NIL era where players come and go all the time you can't afford to wait with coaches either and now no. we've said all along we knew Mike Woodson would get another year regardless of what happened this season and I still think that's true but that doesn't mean it's the right decision. Yeah, it's just, I, I've never, I've never seen the way this is playing out. The way it will continue to play out. Again, I'm telling you, this is a team that wins maybe one more game the rest of the season. That's it. And for people like, well, you know, be quick to turn around that roster and get player. Like, what makes anyone possibly think that if Indiana has four or five spots entering the uh, end of the season, into the off season? that Mike Woodson is capable of making the right decisions and bringing in the right guys and not just chasing the best of the best at each position as opposed to going, hey, 
This guy may be a dude that only averages eight or nine points a game, but man, he's a gamer. He's going to play his ass off. He's going to fit well into running this offense, or he's a good off-ball defender or something. But no, it's who's the best guy at this position? Who's, who's got the flashiest stats and all this? That's, that's not a way to build a basketball team. You know what it is? It's a way to build an NBA team, which is exactly the, hit, the, the experience that Mike Woodson has. It's just, like I said, I don't know if it's getting older, but like if, if it's not working, ditch it. And that's what Indiana should do. It's not working. It's not going to work next year. It's not going to all of a sudden turn around. Just move move along. Like, just get rid of him. And here's the thing. If the players have, have lost, it's not like we're talking one or two disgruntled players. We're, we're talking a handful of guys. Lil Ware, probably going to the NBA. McKenzie Mbako, transfer portal. In fact, that's felt like a lock almost from the start of the season. It just has not, not been a good fit for him. And I, I, you know, five-star guy, right? Another another star-chasing guy was committed to Duke, and it just is not been a fit for him. He's he's going in the portal, right? Um, Galloway and Leal, do they come back? Maybe. Uh, Peyton Sparks is clearly just not good enough to be a, a bench rotation guy. You know, as much as we talk about the stars of this team, the bench is clearly nowhere near good enough. No. For the Big Ten. We thought Anthony Leo had his breakout game and he was going to be a constant. No, that, that that was a flash in the pan, obviously. C.J. Gunn hasn't... Granted, he's being thrust into a position that maybe he wasn't ready for. Caleb Pey- Banks has disappeared from the rotation. Yeah, but Peyton Sparks is... You just pray you get through the four minutes he's out there and get the other bigs back on the floor. Uh, Tech's coming in. Uh, 46862. C.K. Mbako is going to transfer out. You can just see the regret on his face. Yeah. I mean, is it renew and a bunch have, of new faces next year? It it sure seems like it. And with Mbako, uh, a, a guy who couldn't play a lick of defense, he has improved quite a bit over the course of the season in that aspect. And when he's hot, he can he can m- make shots from outside. I mean, he had 22 points, but that was the quietest 22 points I think I've ever seen last night because the, they weren't a factor, right? right. And, and that's just the reality. So if you thought it was bad in the, in the Archie Miller era, just wait for these next couple weeks to close out this season because it's going to match that or even be worse in Bloomington. And I, and I hate the excuse of, oh, you know, the money is not there. Like you're going to get a check from the big 10 for $60 million. Okay. The buyout for Mike Woodson is a little over $4 million. Don't come at me with not having money. They have the NIL money to recruit all this elite yeah, talent, like, right? Uh, you, you know, NIL money was a, a way to sweeten the pot to get guys like Mbako and Ware and some of these top guys right in the portal. That's how this works. Uh, that's how you keep guys. That's how you, you get guys to stay. That's how you keep a Malik Renew. So it, it's you, you can't go both ways. And the fact that his comments earlier this week basically throwing Gabe Cups under the bus. <laughs> why would he yeah, stay? it's just... <laughs> That's the thing. It's like it's it's everybody else's fault except Mike Woodson. It's teenagers' fault. It's guys getting hurt. It's guys uh, telling me one thing and then going to the NBA. Like it's never Mike Woodson's fault. And maybe that's the most frustrating thing. And, and, and quite honestly, Scott Dolson needs to man up and do his job. Like he let Quinn Buckner hijack, effectively hijack the hiring process, and hired his guy with Mike Woodson. Scott Dolson be like, you know what? I'm running this this athletics department. Program. I'm getting rid of the guy that one person wanted effectively and pushed it through. And I'm the AD here. 
and I'm going to take control. But I don't know if he has a pair to do that. He just kind of delegates and lets and lets trustees and and Quinn Buckner run the show for for Indiana basketball. How's that turned out? Not very well. Not well because he opted for the in-house move and was you know probably in agreement with hiring an IU guy all along, right? We knew that's that's the play that that we should have known because that was Dolson's play and that's who the influential people in his ear. It's it's all a line for that to happen. Yeah, it should have been so, so obvious to us, and it was not at the time. Just all a good old boys club and looking out for each other. And I, I really sincerely feel that the shadow of Bobby Knight continues to shine upon Bloomington because you have all these guys that were played for Bobby Knight or were on the staff or were team managers and stuff like that. Like it still impacts so much. Too much. Blooming. Too much. Way too much. Is all these night guys that still like like anybody slightly affiliated with the Bobby Knight era is put in positions of power at Indiana or they're brought in to Indiana. Mike Woodson being one of them. Like what is this infatuation with the Bobby Knight era by these by these old people effectively? Like move on. They're chasing winning but doing so at the detriment of as far as quality leadership and coaching and and all those things that actually lead to winning itself they're they're almost they're chasing the past as yes. opposed to looking to the future is if you if you played for bobby knight if you coached under bobby knight if you had any affiliation with bobby knight if bobby knight ever said a word to you then you're in good with the indiana athletics department if i have to hear steve alford is an iu coaching candidate ever again <laughs> i mean come on uh dusty may he was a manager on that Bobby Knight yeah. staff. Oh my gosh. I, w- I will say this, though, with Dusty May. There's at least a shift because he is a good, young, up-and-coming head coach. Granted, that's what you thought they were getting in Archie yeah, Miller but, as well. but it's proven nothing outside of Florida Atlantic. Florida Atlantic is not Indiana. It just uh, Maybe it works out, but it just... At least if you got rid of Mike Woodson and hired Dusty May, at least you're trying something different. Yes. Um, and they're not capable of doing that right now. Text coming in, 46862. Talking about Gabe, Gabe Cups, he played with LeBron's kid, was a four-star. How bad is basketball in Ohio if he won Mr. Basketball? I feel like I don't want to pile on Gabe Cups. The dude's a freshman and has been thrust into a position yeah. that he clearly wasn't ready for. And, and nor were they expected to have to start Gabe Cups. Right. I think the, it, the long-term, if Indiana recruited more Gabe Cups type, they would be better off because he's a dude that plays hard all the time, gives effort. He's not as talented as most other players, but he plays harder than most other players. I think in a couple years you give Gabe Gabe Cups and he could be a really solid starter for Indiana. Gabe Cups was going to be the starting point guard next season. It was not expected to be the starting point guard this season. I think that's playing out, but as a freshman, here's the thing. Yeah, he offensively at the moment he's limited, but he's also not asked to do a lot offensively. Uh, He's a decent outside shooter. Uh, He's not turning the ball over constantly. He's not like you know, incapable of bringing the ball up the floor, right? There's just, he doesn't add a lot offensively for Indiana. And that's okay because that was the expect- expectation going into the season. Someone else saying at 468862, CK recruiting style has to change. Well, and yes, isn't that also one of the biggest problems is Woodson is going to work the portal and he's going to work these borderline one and done style guys. Yeah, it, it gets headlines, but there's no player development with that aspect. Um, 
Mike Woodson's pitch is, I'm going to get you to the NBA. That's his sales pitch. And What's that do for Indiana basketball? That doesn't, doesn't do, do anything. anything in terms of winning in the Big Ten, winning NCAA tournament games. It, you'd be better off getting four-year type guys and having one or two of them you know, every so often develop and turn into a really elite players that go early, whether that's after their freshman year, their sophomore year, or their junior year, because that's how you can win. Uh, stability goes a long way. The portal and NIL and five-star recruits, they're all enticing things. Yeah. But they're not a barometer for success. They are a barometer for attention. And I think that's the biggest difference between Indiana and Purdue as programs at the moment. Could you imagine Mike Woodson in that, in that interview for a job and he says, what you would, he's asked the questions, what are your priorities going to be or how are you going to sell Indiana to prospective recruits? And he's going to go, you know what? I'm going to sell them on getting to the NBA. Like who in their right mind would accept that as an answer? Like, no, no, no. Your priority should be winning in Bloomington at Indiana. Your priority is not to develop NBA talent. Shouldn't that have been warning sign number one? When a guy's like, you know what my priority is to these kids? Getting into the NBA. Well, that does nothing for Indiana basketball. Uh, what are you going to do? It is, it is a lot. Uh, someone texting in, CK, Samson, Crean, and Miller had nothing to do with Knight. That worked out great, too. It comes down to bad hires. Duke and Carolina kept it in-house and have been fine. I'm going to push back on that because Duke, it's still early, Right. Uh, we don't have enough of a sample size. Yes, early returns uh, with John Shire are positive, but I'm not going to judge anything on uh, on a season and change. Hubert Davis, you, yeah, they had the Final Four on his first year, and then they missed the tournament as a preseason number one in year number two. Yes, yeah. they're, they're back better. And also, uh, they tried it with a former player a long time ago. You remember Matt Doherty? Yeah, that didn't work yeah, out. That worked out pretty well. It worked out after the fact when they got Roy Williams, but let's not... Let's not uh, forget Matt Doherty, a former player who completely uh, flamed out in Carolina. Um, I mean, Kelvin Sampson worked. Yes. He just um, did some things he <laughs> yeah. shouldn't have done. Yeah, there were the some time. issues yeah. off the court. Like, that was a good hire. I mean, quite frankly, I have no problems with Kelvin Sampson. Like, you got to be kind of a snake to win in college basketball, most people. Um, like, you look at... Uh, at different guys. I mean, you kind of got to be an ass. And that's kind of what Kelvin Sampson was. And you know what? It works. And, uh, I and thought he's Tom, one of the best coaches in college basketball. I mean, you can throw Archie in there as as the, as the an error, but I, I still will go to bat for Tom Crean. I, I think it's so quick to forget where that program was when Kelvin Sampson was fired. And what Tom Crean not only did to rebuild it, but win Big Ten championships and get to consistent NCAA tournaments. Now, it was too boomer boomer bust for the fans to accept, but again, I say this all the time, two outright Big Ten titles in four years, that wasn't enough. You had three Sweet 16 appearances in, in what, like four or five seasons? So there was a level of success with Crean that they haven't touched since. Remember, he was fired just a season after going to the Sweet 16 and winning an outright Big Ten title. Which is astounding to me. Because now they can't even touch that level and haven't since that 2016 team. Is the reason why Mike Woodson is judged differently is because he's affiliated with Bobby Knight? Because I say yes. Because Tom Crean, the year before he got fired, as you mentioned, won the Big Ten, got to the Sweet 16. Mike Woodson, meanwhile, 
has won one game in two years, hasn't even in the postseason, hasn't even sniffed a Big Ten title and got a raise. It, it expectations shift the further away you get from actually having, you know, actual success. And and uh, Mike Woodson fans are going to argue that well, technically he's won two postseason games, right? Because they won the play-in game against Wyoming his first year uh, before you know losing by thirty to St. Mary's. Someone texting in at four six eight six two, and we'll wrap things up. CK Crean was a bad fire with an F, not a bad hire with an H. He dug out IU out of the cellar. It, Again, to me, it all goes back to that overreaction on one bad season with Cream. Now, they had multiple bad seasons at the start of his tenure, but that was pre-portal, pre-NIL, right? It, it took a while to dig out of that hole. He did that, had multiple years of success, and then it became up and down. You know, a tournament team or an NIT team and then an elite team, back and forth. But here's the thing. They're not even touching kind of the level of success that he had. Yes, Mike Woodson went to back-to-back tournaments, but Crean was coming off the the best season IU has had ever since that time. I mean, they they haven't had a team touch that 2016 team since. So I guess that's my issue is they overreacted then, thought they knew better because the the alums and the fan base wanted to bring in a, a new guy because... Crean had become more difficult to work with. Whatever. He should have been given one more year to see where it went. And if that following year was NIT bound or a bust again, then you move on. But they they pulled the trigger too quickly. The, the problem is now they're not going to do that. They're going to sit and wait and let Mike Woodson have another season when we all know how this is going to end. If, if, if you got rid of Tom Crean... Because of the subpar season, you could say three of his final four years, you know, were a struggle outside of 2016 when he won the Big Ten, got to the Sweet 16. If you're gonna, if you judged him off that, then why aren't you judging Mike Woodson the same? And Tom Crean, even in that 2016-2017 season, they had a win that is better than anything that Mike Woodson has had this year. And they beat Carolina in the ACC Big Ten Challenge that year. They also lost to Purdue Fort Wayne. But you know who they beat at home? Penn State. You know who they also beat at home? Northwestern. They also beat Kansas that year to start the year, right? Uh, yeah, they did beat Kansas. That's right. I think it was like a what was that? It was like a one hundred five, one hundred one game or something yeah, like that. Yeah, overtime. overtime. Yeah, two wins over top top three ranked opponents. The time you played them, like there were some bright spots in that season. There are more bright spots in that year than we've seen this year. Yet Mike Woodson uh, seemingly immune because he's got his guys that are protecting him, namely Quinn Buckner. Who I mean, can Quinn Buckner just go away? Because he has not been good for Indiana basketball. Coming up on the other side as we move on, Purdue. Uh, someone complaining about Purdue and they still need to make the Elite Eight to meet expectations. Um, well, Purdue's at least going to NCAA tournaments with regularity, so I'd push back on that. Purdue, uh, yeah, they may be struggling with the eye test of late, but they're still passing the metrics test for March. We'll dive into the numbers next. Caleb and Kenny in the morning, 1380 The Fan and 100.9 FM. Caleb and Kenny in the morning, 1380 The Fan and 100.9 FM. Fun day on the text line at 46862. Uh, I use just the gift that keeps on giving, or maybe more specifically, Mike Woods. 
Yeah. Oh, man. Oh, man. I mean, can you imagine 10 years ago losing at home to Northwestern, Nebraska, and Penn State in the, the panic? Oh. That would come out of that? Now, now it's just expected. You and said and some, it happened one other time. And, yeah. and that was the 2013-14 team under Crean. That was the season post Zeller, Oladipo, Watford, all those guys. And everyone was understanding. Again, pre-portal, pre-NIL. You knew there was going to be a ton of turnover. You, you essentially returned Will Sheehy, and that was it. And, and right. Yogi Ferrell on the roster. You, and, and he was young at the time. You knew that would be a struggle that season. And then they come back, and they make the NCAA tournament the, the next two seasons and had some success. Won a Big Ten a couple years after that. You said somebody had a, uh, was mad that I called Mike Woodson senile? Yes. I mean, listen to him in the post game. Listen to him in interviews. Either he's refusing to take, to, refusing to even recognize what's going on, or just refusing to talk about it, or he's senile. Like, it, does he really think these things he's saying? I think it's more that it's ego, personally. I could see that too. I think it's ego. I think well, all I of think it's, it's ego. I think it's ego that he refuses to take any responsibility. That he blames college kids for why this team isn't good, blaming Jalen Hood Shafino and effectively saying Xavier Johnson's hurt. That's why, or this, that, or the other, instead of saying, you know what? I have to do better. But he refuses to do that. But part of me, they, like, listen to him talk. Is he this senile or is he just this egotistical? I think it's the latter. I think it, there's, there's no issue as far as his mental faculties. It's 100% ego. And again, when you, you have people at the top level, think about this in other industries, right? The people are going to do it their way because they've been uber successful. I think it's the same thing here, except it's not working. But he wasn't really this uber level. successful in the NBA. Like he was all right. Like, I mean, I mean in basketball terms, though, successful college career, successful NBA career, NBA head coach, longtime NBA assistant. So he comes down a level and thinks, oh, this will be a walk in the park. It's college basketball. I can handle this no problem. And it's obviously been a lot harder than I think he would have anticipated. Uh, he's a career 50 games under 500 in his NBA coaching career. Where's the ego come from? I just, I don't understand it, but the I mean, I'm ego, not saying you're wrong. The I'm ego just comes like, from just being, a, being one of those members of the association as a player yeah, and as a coach. Yeah, I guess. It has no bearing whatsoever on college basketball and we're seeing that play out meanwhile Purdue uh they're coming off a loss and they're back in action coming up tonight as the boilers will try to right the ship following that loss at Ohio State on Sunday uh they're back in action seven o'clock tip against Rutgers and you can hear it right here on 1380 the fan and 100.9 FM as they host the Scarlet Knights and for the boilers it was a struggle against Minnesota they got a win it was a struggle against Ohio State on the road, and that ended up in a loss that pushed Purdue back in the rankings. But there's good news. Uh, before there's a lot of panic, right, and we want to talk about is this where the season's changing? It, it, to me, it's a caution, right? like it's a yellow light at the moment, but I don't think it's a full-on red light. There are some tweaks to be made. Clearly, Fletcher Lawyer's in a funk, and he either needs to step out of it or Matt Painter needs to bring him off the bench. I think this is a very, very important game for Purdue in terms of getting back to playing a complete 40 minutes of good basketball because we haven't seen that in a couple games. And we said, well, a a blip here or there isn't a problem. But if we start seeing a trend for Purdue, 
then it could be. And I think that's what's important for Purdue tonight is come out, just dominate it from the outset, put Rutgers down, be up double digits at half, and show that you're still a a top team, uh, obviously in the Big Ten, but in the country. I, th- I just think this is a game that Purdue, after the last couple of, couple of games, should just come out and and destroy Rutgers. And the metrics still favor Purdue. So the Hazel metrics uh, have Purdue third in offensive efficiency, eighth in defensive efficiency, uh, a top 10 offensive efficiency team, and top 35 defensive efficiency team per those metrics uh, have all been among the winners uh, in March going back the past decade. UConn, Arizona, and Creighton, the others at the moment for that list. You have, of course, the Week 6 AP poll, which is always a good tracker of, of who to go for when picking in your bracket. Purdue is obviously a part of that. Purdue, Arizona, uh, Kansas, Houston, UConn, Baylor, Marquette, Creighton, North Carolina, Gonzaga, Oklahoma, and Tennessee. Uh, obviously, Gonzaga not going to be among the contenders, right? We, we know that. They'll be lucky to make the tournament. Uh, and then you have Ken Pop and those metrics. Well, they're still checking the boxes. Having a, a top 40 adjusted offensive efficiency in Ken Palm and a top 25 defensive adjusted efficiency uh, you have a handful of teams on this list, Purdue, UConn, Arizona, Duke, Creighton, Houston, uh, North Carolina, Tennessee, Auburn, Marquette, Iowa State uh, among the teams on there on that list. Cyclones. And, yeah. Uh, Iowa State's been good. They've been kind of a more under the radar team, but again, they don't check some of those other metrics. So when you look at it and, and notice the team that you notice the team that was not on that list. That I think you would expect to be on on those metrics lists. Uh, did you say UConn? Yeah. Uh, Houston. Yes, they're on there. They're on there. Uh, Arizona. They were on there. They were on there. So there's uh, a a top team that you would expect to be on there that is actually not checking the boxes at the moment. Uh, you mentioned Purdue. Yeah, who's on that list? Um, Duke. Uh, they are on there. I'm trying to picture the top uh, Kansas, not on Kansas has been for for Ken Palm. Yeah. And, and, you know, I think that's something you keep in perspective. Purdue fans is, you know, Purdue is the expectations are so high. And uh, along with Houston and UConn, they've all been up there pretty much the entire season, but a team that came in as the preseason number one, and they've still had a good season, but the big 12 is obviously stacked as it is seemingly every year now, but, they're not checking the boxes as far as on Kinpom being at the moment a national title contender. No, it's been interesting for uh, this isn't a uh, groundbreaking or anything, but what Purdue has struggled with in its three losses has been turnovers and allowing an average of 20 points per game off turnovers in their three losses. In the first game against Rutgers, Purdue allowed 15 points off turnovers. So big shock, but when Purdue turns the ball over, they lose basketball games. And that it could be as simple as that from, from going forward as Purdue limits their turnovers. They should be able to beat pretty much anybody. And that'll be the key tonight as um, Purdue tries to get back on track against Rutgers. We know how Rutgers plays. They're going to gum up everything. They're going to try to slash to the basket uh, offensively, you know, Purdue was actually out rebounded the first game against Rutgers on the road. 
They're second nationally in defensive efficiency with Rutgers. They're going to try to gum it up, right? They're going to try to keep this game in the 50s, if at all possible, maybe the low 60s. Uh, if if Purdue can, can eclipse 70 points, they're going to win this game. But I think if you're a Purdue fan, you'd really like to see a clean game and see a dominant performance out of a team that you haven't seen it in a couple weeks. Uh, Rutgers has the most hilarious stat line when it comes to Ken, Ken Palm, by the way. You mentioned they're second in adjusted defense, the, the, the defensive efficiency. Yeah, are they like uh, in last in offensive efficiency? Uh, not quite last. They're 276th. <laughs> <laughs> uh, it's not great. And they shoot, their three-point shooting isn't even 30%. They hit 29% of their threes. You think Indiana can't shoot threes? Rutgers can't shoot threes. But I can guarantee you Rutgers shoots more threes than Indiana. Yeah. And and for the record, Purdue is number two overall in Ken Palm. You want to guess where I use at now after that loss last night? Uh, in Ken Palm, I'm going to say, uh, I'll say 118. They're 102. Huh. Okay. Are they in the next, 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 next four teams out of the latest <laughs> bracketology? Um, I think that'd be like the next 40 teams <laughs> does, out. <laughs> does anybody go that deep? No. To see Indiana? Because you have, you know, your first four out, your next four out. How many do you have to go before you get to Indiana being out? <laughs> Pretty far. Pretty far. Coming up on the other side, Tyrese Halliburton speaks out on the NBA All-Star game and if changes should be made. Plus, we'll get to that story. The Florida man has this pulled from his nose as we wrap things up here on a Thursday. Caleb and Kenny in the morning, 1380 The Fan and 100.9 FM. Wrapping it up here on a Thursday, Caleb and Kenny in the morning, 1380 The Fan and 100.9 FM. Caleb Hatch, Justin Kenny with you. Don't forget, you can always catch up anything you missed during the show. If you missed hour number one, if you missed parts of hour number two, you can download the podcast. Look for it on your favorite podcasting platform, Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you listen to podcasts should be up around 1030 or so each and every morning after the show. So a couple stories before we wrap it up. First off, Tyrese Halliburton speaking out on NBA All-Star Game changes, which I do want to point out to everyone who was complaining about the lack of competitiveness. A, they're at least playing NBA basketball. It's not flag football like the NFL. TV ratings were up 14%. Really? Yes. Granted, that was after last year's record low. So 5.5 million viewers marks the second worst. Last year was the worst. Um. It's also an all-star game. Like we, yeah, like we have these debates all the time. It's like maybe the NFL has it right. Just make it a, here's my thing. I'm more interested kind of in the Saturday events. Yes. Why can't just the three point contest and all that stuff just be the all-star event? Yeah. Why do you have to have a game? True. And also like guys play five, three on three tournaments or something. I don't know. You want guys to play hard. I understand that, but it, it you can't but why would have you? them risk injury yeah like there's just there's too much on the line you can say well 20 years ago they played hard and I'm like yeah 20 years ago the final scores of games were like 80 to 78 but the fact that the all-star game was like 113 to 110 showed you how bad the offense was and now i understand the offense is is way too far in the other direction you finally had a team break 200 you knew it was a matter of time for that it was coming yeah but you and know we'll what? see some rule change to shift it back. I'm sure it's just the ebb and flow of the game. But even 20 years ago, like the, the money that these guys were making isn't even close to what they're making no. now. Like they are 
making so much money to win games in the regular season and win championships. Okay, that's what they're paid for. They're not paid to play good defense in the All-Star game. I just, I don't really care. It doesn't bother me. Yeah, I don't know it, why it doesn't. It doesn't bother like it me should, either. But it doesn't. Yeah, I, I feel the same way. It's, it's an All-Star game. What do you expect? I want them shooting half-court threes and guys scoring 50 points and getting like 10 yeah, right? dunks. It's, 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 it's an exhibition. <laughs> it's played like an exhibition. Yeah, I just, yeah, whatever. Uh, but Halliburton said, there's been a lot of talk on what makes sense to fix it. I don't have the answers. I don't think a lot of us have answers. Look, you knew he was going to play hard because it was his, you know, the Pacers were hosting game, home all-star event. He's a starter. He had a great game, probably should have been MVP, but he had a lot more on the line than average other players. And for him, this was kind of like his, his coming out season and, and party. So he had to play harder, but at the same time, manage his hamstring. Um, and that's just kind of the reality. You don't want guys injuring themselves. And he said, there's an argument for a greater financial incentive. I mean, maybe you do something like the in-season tournament where the winning team, whether it's East or West, gets some sort of bonus. You know, yeah. you, that's that's an incentive, but that only works for so long. Just yeah. like the in-season tournament's only going to work for so long. Unless I you just, keep upping the price. Right. Money. I just, I don't know if it's a big enough problem that needs quote unquote fixed, but that's me. I, I tend to agree with you. Uh, meanwhile, Tyrese Maxey had an interesting comment to Tyrese Halliburton uh, talking about Indy and how there's, well, no traffic. Here's the exchange. It's pretty funny uh, over All-Star Weekend. What's up with the traffic in Indy? You said it was no, no traffic. It's, only, it's All-Star Weekend. What you want me to do? No, man. You the mayor. Time to move. <laughs> <laughs> Pretty much uh, at this point, he he was the mayor at least for the weekend. Tell him to move. <laughs> <laughs> I thought that was it was great. If you missed it, all right, yeah, time to nice. get to the story we've all been waiting for. A Florida man, already off to a good start, has 150 live bugs removed from his nose, and he didn't even know they were there. What? Yes, Jacksonville doctors removed 150 live bugs in the larva stage from the nose and sinuses of a cancer survivor earlier this month. The man had been feeling off since October, but it wasn't until his face and lips swelled on February 9th that he sought help uh, going to a hospital. said he started getting nosebleeds, constant nosebleeds. Uh, The man was unidentified in the story. I couldn't even get up to go to the bathroom without my nose starting to bleed. But he never felt him? Yeah. Then he went for the examination. The the doctor... uh, Examine the man's nose with a camera only to discover dozens of bugs feeding on the inside of the nose and sinus cavity and Bro, shedding they show tissue. The freaking, they show the freaking camera and just like yeah. the bugs are in there. It's disgusting. Um, They're just like sucking them out. Mm-hmm. Uh, the, the larger ones are about the, the size of the end of a, a pinky finger. So I'm looking at my pinky finger. That's a pretty big bug. Yeah. Uh, they, they tried to remove the bugs with a suction Which that got clogged. Seeing. Uh, I see a picture that I don't want to look at. I'm watching it right now. uh, They used different instruments to pluck them out, uh, and it continued to be a hard process. Uh, If you really want to see the graphic footage, you can check it out. Uh, The (laughs) craziest thing the the physician said, they were right up against his skull base, right under the brain. He said if they had gone through, it could have killed him into the brain. 
So, you know, like the, the earwig, uh, you know, like the myth, you know, like a bug crawls into your ear and then it like burrows through your brain, right? You ever yeah, get yeah. told that story as a kid and freak you out? Earworm or earwig, whatever they were yeah. called. Well, this is like a more real life version yes. of that. Well, and the thing is, too, it remains a mystery how the larvae got inside the man's nose, but he told First Coast News that the problem might have stemmed from his bad hygiene habits when handling dead fish. Huh, you think? <laughs> I want to reevaluate. Maybe wear some gloves, maybe wash your hands. Uh, crazy. Gross. I mean, I could see a bug, a couple bugs, 150. That's next level. Yeah. For Justin Kinney, I'm Caleb Hatch. Thanks for joining us. Dan Patrick up next. The Herd with Colin Coward at noon. Indiana Sports Week with Jim Coyle from 3 to 4. And the Sports Rush with Shannon Griffith filling in for Brett Rump today here on 1380 The Fan and 100.9 FM.